What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Cervantes Podcast. Joining me today is my good friend and bro, Renze Udo. He is 20 years young, a junior, an economics major, and a sprinter on the track and field team at Amherst College in Amherst, Massachusetts. For this episode, I wanted to speak with Renze and the about the Oducoro Empowerment Organization that he officially founded in 2015, aiming to decrease the gap and promote the greater education of Nigerians, starting with the village of Afaro. First off, bro, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, man. Appreciate you for having me on the podcast. Love what you're doing. You know, staying proactive during this crazy time. Thank you, bro. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into the Duke Row. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So first off, um, just to confirm, did you start the uh, organization Udukoro by yourself or are you a <clears throat> co-founder with someone else? Yeah, so kind of taking you through the whole timeline of Udukoro. Um, obviously like I'm Nigerian and my, my entire family comes from Nigeria, but I was born here. And, okay. you know, my parents have always made it a priority to kind of stress the importance of like, my culture and my background and just my, you know, Nigerian roots. So every year around or every other year around Christmas, we'd always like fly down to Nigeria, see family. And, um, you know, just for me to get a sense of like, you know, how they grew up and everything. So in 2008, I went back and, um, you know, I must admit at eight years old, I'm like only obsessed with video games and, <laughs> and like watching right. TV. So going back, I had a complete culture shock because like, you know, the power is faulty. Like I don't really got Wi-Fi like that. It's super hot. And I'm not too familiar with with the the, the language Igbo. So like I'm kind of this kid who's there just like so out of touch with the reality. <laughs> I'm just like, right. I can relate I'm like, bro, to that. I'm like, bro, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, I got to that. Yeah, but I mean, the one thing that kind of made the trip worthwhile was this sort of this Christmas party that my grandma put together. Okay. Um, basically, basically, my grandmother would host this this event in her family compound where she just invite all the kids in the village there and it'll be like, you know, food, celebration, an MC, a DJ, everything like that. Just a way to celebrate the Christmas season. And, you know, my brother and I, we'd go down there and we'd help her organize everything like we helped set up the tents and wow. make the food and all that stuff you know just it, it was just like for us being so so new and so unfamiliar with our environment it was just a way for us to you know to help out and and feel like a part of the community so that that on christmas we had the celebration and it was super it was it was it was awesome it, like it was really successful um you know a lot of kids were there a lot of good vibes and all that good stuff and so that was like my highlight of the trip like despite all the the difficulties that that I originally came came to right. see with like the electricity and everything like that was what made the trip worthwhile so I go back and obviously got to go to school again I get older start you know learning more about my culture and talking to my grandmother about Nigeria and just ways we could expand on really affect and change the community because the Christmas benefit is a good way to like you know, just promote community development. And we also get give back like toys and, and school supplies during that day. But, 
we kind of wanted to make it like a more consistent, consistent event. And so in around 2015, out of after a lot of brainstorming and more iteration, we came up with like more projects and officially launched the Udukro Empowerment Organization. So addressing your original question, the Udukro Empowerment Organization started with like my grandmother's Christmas benefit. But as I grew older and kind of was able to take on more responsibility, I kind of joined in on her as a co-founder and, and we really tried to like launch this and make this an official official initiative to kind of garner more support and, and really grow what we're trying to do. Right. And Udukuro is a nonprofit organization. Did you, are you guys specifically only helping out the students in Nigeria of the village of Faro? Um, is it just students that you're helping out specifically, or is it like everyone that's yeah. part of school? Yeah, so the mission of Udukuro is to provide academic and material support to economic challenged students living in the greater Umwaya region. Um, but just given you know, given our focus over the past over the past few years, we've we've specifically dealt with the village of Afara, which is where my family's from, where my grandmother currently resides at. And okay. with, you know, hopefully what we're trying to do in the in the next few years is build a strong support system to kind of expand to other villages within the Umwai region, which is located in southeastern Nigeria. So yes, we're specifically focused on the village of Afara, but you know, as we continue to grow and continue to expand our initiatives, we hope to spread out to more villages. I think that's really dope. It's important to, you know, empower the youth, which is you guys' motto. So that's dope. For sure, for sure, yeah. How many times did you get a chance to do the annual Christmas benefit to reward the children you're helping out? Yeah, so in sort of like in my original backstory, the first time I really helped out with that was in 2008. So I was like eight years old. And then ever since then, I've been going back every other year. So let's see, that's about three or four times up to like the recent pandemic. Obviously that changed a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's been a couple, a handful of times that I've gone back and that was really my main role initially because we're specifically based out in Nigeria and you know, growing up through middle school and high school, I'm spending most of my time in school, like doing homework and everything. So that was the main way that I could really contribute to the organization besides handling everything on the website that we made. Um, and as I went back and got older, I, I had more responsibility. So I was able to organize events more and, you know, talk with getting entertainment and, and all those good things. So yeah, it's been a handful of times that I've gone back to help. Okay. And without like the pandemic going on right now, you would probably be there like over the summer or maybe like during Christmas break to like help out with um, Udukuro, right? Yeah, I was actually, I was supposed to be down there in, in March, actually, in March of last year. And oh, right, okay. right yeah, when it started. <laughs> I, like, I, bought my, I bought the ticket and everything. And then wow. like literally the week of, I think Trump had announced like that they were shutting down borders. So my ticket just you know that just yeah, that's unfortunate yeah that's man unfortunate. but you know we're still trying to make a difference even if right. we're remote you know. even though it's virtual yeah, yeah. Uh, how was the african festival of boston back in august of 2019 how did that go yeah so backstory on that um let's see so 
summer 2019 that was my freshman year I was um I had an internship in Boston and you know I was just in the area and I was like this is a good time to you know really grow our audience and and branch out to people in the area and just talk about a Dukera so I was like on this little like publicity tour (laughs) promo yeah promo to reaching out to different outlets and just trying to spread the message and, and let them know what we're about and I stumbled upon the African Festival of Boston which was something that they had done in like the Boston area where they just had different organizations or different it could be like a non-profit or for-profit come to um you know a central area and they were just kind of promoting their brand and garnering support and just it was open for the general Boston public area so I figured this is a good way to just kind of make our stamp and try to, again, garner a, a big audience and grow support. So I called my aunt up and I told her about the festival and my grandmother was coming back from Nigeria at the time. So they both, you know, drove, made the trip down to Boston and we kind of set up a little tent and we had our little flyers just talking about Udukuro. Right. And to you know start the fundraising process my grandmother had brought back clothes that were sewn by um by women in afara who you know were skilled in trade by like sewing and 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 things like that so they came down um down to boston they made the trip down to boston and to promote the organization my grandmother brought back a couple of clothes that were sewn by women in afara Um, just so people can, you know, buy into like something that we're doing to kind of help promote community development and have something to show for it. So we sold like children's clothes specifically because we specifically focus on children and their academic development. And, um, you know, you bought bought a piece of clothing, you bought a little outfit, you got a little flyer about a Dukero and that's how we started to build like an audience because people write their emails down and then this email would later be exactly just like like branching out our audience and starting a newsletter or you know giving people update monthly updates about what we're doing and yeah it was it was a really cool event my grandmother was really happy that people people came out to support and um you know nobody really knew what we were about but it was just a good opportunity to get the name out there you know right so shout out to Arente's grandma that's really dope yeah, how has the reception been um in Nigeria and the places that you're helping out like how have they received your help and like good work yeah yeah they've been super receptive and really grateful for it uh specifically like in Afara because uh, a lot of like you know basic school necessities like school clothes and school supplies books it, it, it's a big financial burden on a lot of these families so the fact that we're able to go in and mitigate that problem by, you know, giving out these school donations and giving out books and really setting these children up with academic opportunities. It makes a big difference. Um, right. And the clothes and supplies that you sell um, with Udukuro to f- help fundraise, where do they come from? And do you and your family make it yourselves? Or is that um, something that you get from someone else? Yeah. So. The clothes and supplies. Um, so yeah, originally the school clothes and the school supplies were just 
you know, family donations, because like I said, we started in 2008, but we didn't become an official nonprofit until 2015. So we'd originally just ask around family, friends, family, just for, you know, clothes and, and school supplies that they could just lend out just for us to make a difference in the community. But once we became like official, I guess, okay. um, we started like reaching out to the audience that we started to build. So, you know, I, when we'd send emails in the newsletter and, and we just talked to the connection that we started to make, people would be more generous in specifically lending out school supplies, um, like book bags and notebooks, pens, pencils, all those necessities that, you know, primary school and secondary school children need to, to you know, go to school and, and really, like you know, maximize, yeah, excel, and just, just basic school materials that every kid should need. Um, so yeah, basically, we started off just with family and, and close relatives and friends. And, you know, with the progress we've been making, we've been able to like build an audience where we can, you know, usually ask people to to lend out a helping hand and, and they've been pretty gracious so i'm thankful for that that's dope like through donations and stuff that's dope exactly um Udukuro empowerment organization organization has five main initiatives um the Udukuro christmas benefit Udukuro school donation project the tutoring service and the library donation um so talk to me a little bit about those and like why you wanted to um enforce them <clears throat> yeah so the fifth one actually is also the scholarship service that we have. So um, the first one, the Christmas benefit, I kind of explained how that goes. That's like uh, something that happens once a year, um, you know, just a way to celebrate the Christmas season at the end of the year, but also give back to the community by giving some of those clothes and, and school donations that you receive throughout the year. But the school and library donations are specifically with Union School of Fara, which is the main primary school within the village and the Aquanu Community Library, which is one of the main libraries within the village as well. The village, it, it's, it's, um, it's not the smallest, but it's, I mean, it's not the largest, but it's small enough that everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, okay. It was pretty close knit, so a lot of these institutions are like the main area where a lot of the kids will go to school or, you know, go to the library and things of that nature. So just giving out to those institutions and again, mitigating those, those financial burdens by supplying them with books and supplying the school with like chalkboards and desks and things like that. It really makes a difference. Um, so that's the school and library donations. The tutoring service is something that we launched in 2017 and Basically, how it started is we we take um, like a handful of, of kids in specifically in union school and primary school who weren't really doing the best, like their academic record um, wasn't the best in the school. And we tutor them in math and reading like three times a week. Um, and it would be like after school, like we like we'd go in and we'd have volunteers, you know, help us out and just give like that additional tutor just to you know, help them and give them the extra attention that they that they needed to kind of get on the same level with the other kids in in school. Um, and then, lastly, the scholarship initiative was something that originally it was it was need based. So there would be a couple of families that came out and you know came to us and and kind of told us about their situation and 
again, this is when we were pretty small, not really, not really, we didn't really have like a huge following. So we were able to like give individual attention to some students um, okay. who like couldn't afford um, like a proper education or they, they couldn't afford like to go to school or, or like just the, yeah, because everyone, everyone else had the finances to, to do so. And, and so, yeah, it was like a need-based scholarship, but moving forward, trying to make it um, merit-based. So that way, like we can kind of provide like those who really excel within a fire, the, the academic opportunity to, you know, pursue like higher education at the college and university level. Um, and COVID's kind of slowed things down, but once everything, you know, starts to return back to normal, we can kind of get get us started on that. So those are like the five five initiatives that we've historically done. Um, you know, moving forward, hopefully we can keep that model. But you know, with COVID and everything, we're probably gonna have to pivot things a little bit. Um, but you know, as long as we're we're kind of giving those academic opportunities to afar, we know that we're doing the right thing. Right. Cause once we once we get outside, I'm sure Udu Kuro can, you know, keep keep doing what you guys are doing and help the people. Um, I like the I like the tutoring program. I think it's dope that those those children have access to free tutoring because we know like coming from certain, you know, communities, kids have access to great tutors. Like they can mm -hmm. pay like mad money for extra help for SATs and tests, but not everyone has the um, access to that. So the fact that you guys are implementing free tutoring, I think that's so dope because it really, it's really effective. Like having someone explain to you in a different way than the teacher would have, I think that's really mm -hmm. dope. Yeah, and you know, just, you know, as, as we all know, like there's only a certain amount of time in the day. So if, if, if a student's like lacking academically, um, sometimes, you know, you can't really afford to like, the teacher can't afford to take a step back and kind of give that student the individual attention they need. So kind of making that mini after school program, tutoring program, is just a good way to like, make sure that the other kids are on track. With right, and don't slip behind. Exactly. Um, the next question was, how have the funds been? Um, I know, like you said, the pandemic has like slowed things down. Has that affected your, um, your Ducros funds at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously COVID and everything, it's, it's, definitely shifted a lot of things but um before the pandemic um you know i talked about the african festival of boston we're able to like sell those clothes and and start building that audience um we made like i think it was like 200 something like that and during that event so that was like a, nice. a great way to kind of yeah it was, it was just a great way to start off everything and you know start building that 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 fund that we could use to fund our initiatives. And then in October, um, uh, my the African Caribbean Student Union at my school hosts uh, uh, like an annual cultural showcase, and basically, it's like a way for um, like the cultural showcase is like hosted by the African Caribbean Student Union and, you know, different students can come and put on performances and it's just a way to celebrate African and Caribbean culture. And each year we, the, each year the showcase is hosted, it sponsors a specific nonprofit. So okay. in 2019, they sponsored you do grow. And, you know, I went up there and talked about the organization and 
you know what we're about it and just nice um yeah just good like <laughs> exact good promo exact all about the promo um right. and then we raised like i think it was like 500 or something around that time so again just those events start to build up strong fun to be able to carry out these initiatives um so i'm you know really grateful to amherst and axu for for helping me put that together and, and continuing to grow that that fan base and then covid hit and wasn't really able to do any like in-person events. Um, right. So let's see, February, uh, January through March, just, you know, talking about grandmother, talking about ways that, you know, we can really continue to raise money and continue to grow the audience that we, that we want to, you know, further our initiatives in the future. And with COVID, um, we pivoted a little bit they started providing COVID relief to the village of Afara. So it's not really what we're typically accustomed to. Like we specifically focus on school donations and just academic empowerment, but because of the situation and, you know, because of the, the dangers to health that was really going on in the village, right. um, we started providing like masks and food donations to families oh, and to fund that we did like a, a mini like Venmo punch card, which is basically like, oh, wow. You know, okay. Yeah. Just like posted like a base. It's like a, an infographic on Instagram or, or on Facebook. And it basically had Uduk Rose like Venmo and you could donate them out from like one to $10. And it was just because a lot of college students have Venmo. Right. All that you all have type in, yeah. You just type in the name and, and you know, donate if you can. So I started posting that on all of our social media pages. And after like a month or so, we raised like a good like a thousand dollars, and I was, I was super excited about that because you know, people are really gracious. And then um, in June, we kind of did the T-shirt fundraiser. Uh, I don't know nice. if you guys can yeah. see the podcast, but <laughs> T-shirt, but that like took off. Like you know that the way that that worked was through Custom Inc. They allow you to. Um, raise money for a certain nonprofit through like a t-shirt or any sort of item that you want to sell but it's only for like a limited time so it only ran for two weeks but in that two weeks we raised like five thousand dollars which is crazy um, and I was super excited because obviously the the money is great and it's great to see that people are financially supporting us but just the audience and the impact that we were making in the US really, it was like a validation to me and, and let me know that like what we're doing, people are buying into our mission and buying into what we've been doing. And, and you know, we have the, we have the experience, we have the history to show that like, we've been doing this for a minute now, even though 2015 is when we started, you know, our project stretched back to like 2008. So that's 10 plus years that we've been trying to make a change. And, the more people that we can get on board with the mission, the the more the, the more validation that we get, but the the more we can help, you know, the community that we're trying to help right. out. So right, because the people you know, that you the know funds have been great. Right. Like the people that you're helping, um, specifically in the specific parts of Nigeria, they know what you're doing and they appreciate it. But I think it's great to have people um in the united states like oh wow like orenze like this is serious like you know i want to i want to be a part of this i want to donate because it's about the donations you guys are nonprofit. so i think that's dope yeah. you know getting people to know what you're doing and then getting them on board 
think that's, I think that's yeah, important. exactly. It's, it's, it's just really, it's really, I'm really grateful for just all the support that we've gotten. And, and, um, as you know, like these things can be expensive. Um, right. Because <laughs> you're so. using, you know, you and your family are using your own money. You're not backed by, yeah, we're not backed by like any like companies or institutions. It's like, it was really just like out of, out of our money and just like, out of, you know, family, originally just family and friends, just being, you know, really generous. But the fact that we're building a greater audience allows us to kind of like expand what we're trying to do. And keep going. By like, you know, and keep going, keep taking it to the next level, even though we're in this like weird time right now with the pandemic. Um, right. When things go back to normal, I know we have a strong support system to carry us through. That's important, yeah, that's important um being that you're you know 20 years old like myself um and creating an organization to help out your community and people did you feel hesitant at all or nervous at all doing this um no not really because like I said originally this was like my grandmother's like this is my grandmother's baby basically and I was just like <laughs> the one that you know just tried to flush out ideas with her and what we can really do to make change um, so it was, it was, I was super, you know, super excited to be on board. Um, and at first it was, it was hard to, to, you know, really do as much as I wanted to do just because like, I was, I was younger, I was in school. Um, I really only got to go to Nigeria like once a year or once every other year, basically. But as I got older, um, you know, and I was able to, kind of help out more it's been it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty good so I have it I haven't I wasn't hesitant I just didn't I wasn't able to help out as much as I wanted to at first um okay you know as you as I've gotten older and and kind of you know 20 years old kind of looking at adulthood at this point it's like become right. a priority for me and I'm able to devote more time and resources into into furthering the agenda. So. Yeah, and also, like my grandma, like you know, we talk all the time. Like she's getting older, so she can't really, you know, she's not really as on the ground as she wants to be as before. So, right, you know, it's just usually it's like she'll call me and she just give me the contact to reach out to. And a lot, of, like I said, a lot of this is really in house. It's like a family organization. We don't have like outside powers coming in and, and helping us out. So like. It was just giving a call here and saying, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, and I haven't taken like a class for any of this as well. It's, you know, it's really just learning by experience. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a really good experience, man. I think it's like, it builds character for sure. And it helps you, uh, it's helped me understand like what I really value in life. You know what I mean? And what really is important to me and what gives me like a sense of joy. So it's been a great journey, man, for real. That's dope. That's dope. Like, I feel like I was a little, I don't think I was as confident as you are starting this podcast, to be honest. I was kind of nervous. It kind of went from an idea in the summer to like an Instagram live kind of thing. And then it's like, you know what, let me, let me, let me take that, what I've, you know, done and let me speak Mm -hmm. to a greater audience and put this in like, you know, people's hands, you know, and have people listen to this. Cause I have, I have, you know, ideas and conversations and friends, and I really want to support small black businesses, small businesses of color. Cause I think that it's not just a, 
people said that a lot in the summer but i actually want to do it <laughs> you know like i want to yeah yeah like sp- like actions speak louder than words right and i think that it's so yeah. dope that there's so many black businesses out there and so many small businesses out there but the fact that you're so young and you're like taking the lead on this i think that's and like i know you that's so impressive that's so impressive so yeah I yeah man i know i like i told you in the beginning like I really like mess with what you're doing here with with this podcast because it's so easy. Now, I was saying this a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, but it's so easy to kind of like just sit on our hands during this time and kind of just like, you know, go on you know, become complacent. And, yeah, but it's like things like this, like really being proactive and just like getting your voice out and and really trying to find that inspiration and expressing that in whatever medium, like in your case is the podcast. Like it really, it just helps with, just keeping your spirits high and, and just growth during this time. So like, right. I, I really like completely respect what you're doing for sure. I appreciate that. I appreciate, Cause I think, you know, sometimes I watch certain, you know, talk shows and TV shows and it's like, they're not saying what needs to be said. And I, I, I want to yeah. say what I want to hear, you know, and, no, I, I, sure. and I don't want to just talk to myself. I want to have conversations with other people so like they can chime in. I'm not just, I'm not just talking to myself, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, definitely, I, man, 100%. Great. Uh, my next question was, what have you learned about yourself or others in this journey of yours doing the good work <clears throat> in Nigeria? Yeah, man, I think that's a good question, actually. I guess about myself, I, um, you know, I really, growing up, like being Nigerian or, you know, repping Nigeria and everything, you kind of saw like a shift, man. Like it was like in in second grade, that's when I first went back, but like through elementary school and middle school, like I wasn't, I'm not gonna say like it wasn't cool to be Nigerian, it wasn't cool to be African, but like nobody's really jacking it like that. It was kind of just like, you know. I just spoke about this on my last podcast. I yeah, I peeped, I peeped that episode. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna right. lie. Like everyone, episode. you know, it was just- yeah it was yeah making fun of it was just like oh he's African, like blah 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 like but when I got to high school and you know started really finding myself and like Duke really started to take off I just I really enjoyed just like the Nigerian background that I came from and just like a lot of the cultural values and, and customs that I grew up in and and Uduka really helped me find that, really helped me like capture that passion and express it in like a, like a real way or like a real form. Um, and it kind of manifested in like just helping out the community and just helping out where I where you know, my roots lay. So just like tapping into my Nigerian identity and, and you know, drawing a sense of pride and a sense of passion for being Nigerian. It's been really, it's been great. Um, I think everybody just like, everybody really just wants to be a part of a community and everybody wants to like, you know, like that, that identity thing is real, especially, you know, as you're growing up as, as a younger, younger person and and trying to figure out just how like the world works and like where you fit in and everything. Right. It's good to know that I have like a connection that's like real and a connection that I can, you know, help through in like a real way, like I keep saying, um, so definitely building on that Nigerian identity. That's that's really what I've learned from this. And and yeah, in terms of like what I've learned about others, um, 
I've learned that like if you if you're true to like yourself and you're true to to what you say you're about, you're true to your identity, I think others will pick that up and respect it and want to help as much as they can. Um, you know, whether it's from like a t-shirt fundraiser um, or just like the audience that I've grown, like a lot of people, I'm super grateful for like the amount of Duke has grown and, and the amount of people who have bought into the mission. Um, and, you know, I'll read like DMs and I'll read emails and, you know, people are just like, I keep hearing the thing that like, you know, I'm really happy that you've, you're trying to make a difference in like a community that you're a part of and, and something that like you have like a personal connection to. So I think people really respect that personal connection um, and just being authentic to like where you come from. Uh, it's all about authenticity I've, I've, I've found. So that's really that's dope. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's those, really I think sometimes people don't, like when you have a nationality or a culture, sometimes people don't feel connected if you don't speak the language, if you've never been there. Like for me, like I'm not, I can't speak Patois, you know, and I can't, I don't really know Spanish that well, but I feel like my family has been so like, my family's super Jamaican and super Puerto Rican. So it's like, I have no choice but to fall in love with the culture and, and you know, embrace it. But I think that what you said about, I feel stronger, with my identity because of what I'm doing with Udu Crow, that's dope. You know, it kind of inspires yeah. me to like, hey, maybe I could do something for Puerto Rico and the hurricane. Maybe I could do something for Jamaica and like, you know, everything going on there. Like that's kind of mm -hmm. that's really inspiring to like help out your people. <clears throat> that's what it's all about. And you don't have to, I think it's important for people to realize like you don't have to be famous or rich to make a difference. Yeah. And and like yeah, I, I totally agree. And I don't think like people should do it, you know, with aspirations of becoming like famous or becoming rich. Like that's when the, you know, that's when you're not becoming, that's when you're not being authentic. And that's when you're not yeah. trying to, to follow, yeah. like, you know, your, your true path and everything. So at this, like at eight years old, like I didn't have IG and 15, I didn't really have social media like that. So I was just doing this out of like the kindness of my heart and everything, but. And you genuinely like, cared. I, yeah, I genuinely cared. And as I got older, I was like, this is just something that's regular for me. So taking this to the internet and taking this to social media, it's just, you know, it's not going to really make it. I'm not going to change the way that I've acted in the past or like, <laughs> to like put myself on a pedestal, like, oh, look at me. It's just like, it'll like be it's so just for a resume. Yeah. Like, nah, like, this is like, this is like real, like this is something that's been in the works for years. So right. you're not going to, and I don't see you stopping and like okay i can like stop like no you're gonna keep yeah. doing this maybe even pass it down to your children you know maybe get some friends along with you so i think i think that's dope i think that's dope yeah for sure um, do you do you feel like you've gotten the amount of support and <laughs> love from your family and friends with udu Koro? yeah um i definitely i i will say that like when things really started to, I guess, take off in that summer of 2019 and like the following started to really start to build up, like my mom would be like, bro, you got to like stay in school. Like, <laughs> like I, I get that you're trying to do this and like, obviously we support you and everything, but you still got to graduate and everything. And even in high school, like my, I would talk to my grandmother, my grandmother and she'd be like, look, I really appreciate what you're doing, but 
you know, you got to graduate high school. And you got to like, <laughs> this, should, this shouldn't be like, yeah, I, I don't want this to interfere with like, I don't want this to interfere with your, your studies and everything. And, like your grades or just Exactly. And they were just being good. My mom was being a good mom. My grandma was being a good grandma. So I didn't take it as like hate or anything. It was like, you know, I, it, it was just a way for me to like stay focused and everything. So right. Cause you do, um, you know, Arenze, for those who don't know, he's a you know on the track team, economics. So you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh do you work too? Um, no, so during the pandemic, no, I haven't really worked that much. Um my mom, she works at like a like a medical practice in the Bronx. So like sometimes I'll come in and like help out just here and there. Oh, nice. But like, yeah, on campus, I, I worked, um, I was like, a, what do you call it? Like, a, I was an assistant for my teacher in, in the economics department. So that was just like. Okay, like a TA. Yeah, TA, not a TA, but like a, like a research assistant rather. Sorry. Oh, like okay. You're not just handing out t- tests. You're like <laughs> doing <Yeah>. something. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was a little something, but. Um, That's dope. Yeah, so it's just, just but managing like, you know, roles and responsibilities is, is something that I've been doing for a while. Like, you know, even in high school, I like just doing track. Like, that takes up a big portion of, of my free time and everything. So with the Dukuro, I kind of treated it as the same thing. Like, it was extracurricular. Um, it was, like, a privilege to be a part of it. But, like, I knew that, you know, I, I still had to, like, keep my priorities in check. And kind of right. when I got to college and everything, um, I was like, I want this to actually be a part of my identity now. So, you know, I kind of- And they were probably just looking out for you and making sure that like, you didn't have too much on your plate that you couldn't like handle. So yeah, 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 exactly. It was, it was, it was all love at the end of the day, so. Right, and I actually, I asked you that because I think sometimes people, like our friends will do stuff and like, we don't really get the support, but then like LeBron James make, makes like an awesome play and then everyone like reposts it. So I feel like sometimes we don't get the support <laughs> that we deserve sometimes. So I just wanted to know like, you know, did you, cause you're doing, you're doing something good. So I feel like people should be on board, but you're mm-hmm. probably like, oh, like I don't, ex- I don't expect anything, but it's nice that you come along. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, basically like, um, yeah, it's basically just like that, like, it's, I think there's, there's definitely um, like a fear factor if, you know, you're trying to, if you want to start something and you're thinking like, oh, like hopefully I won't get, or you're thinking like, maybe I won't get the support. I'm kind of scared that people won't really buy into what I'm doing. Right. But, you know, like I keep saying, like we were doing this before, just like with family, family, friends and, and relatives. So when I kind of tra- decided to make this public, I was just kind of like, I'm going to start, stick to the same blueprint that I've been following and, and, um, you know, people buy into it, they buy into it. If they don't, at least I know I'm like making a real difference. So, um, fortunately people did the former and they bought into it and, you know, right. we've been growing ever since. That's dope. That's dope. And, um, this next question, um, I wanted to talk to you about being that you're Nigerian, how do you, um, to give a little insight for the, uh, the listeners, I want to speak to Renze about the NSARS movement. Um, NSARS is a decentralized social movement 
um, and series of mass protests against the police brutality in Nigeria of the same name. The slogan calls for the disbanding of the special anti-robbery squad, a notorious unit of the Nigerian police with a long record of abuses. So how do you feel about, you know, it's a very sensitive topic, but how do you feel about, you know, NSARS and the, um, the vicious and violent massacre that's going on in your home country? Yeah, man, like NSARS, that was like, I think during that time, like I remember school was really like getting, like being at home and just doing these remote classes. That was like getting to me originally. So like I was already in like a down mood and then I just, you know, turn on the TV and go on IG and I'm seeing all of these posts about police brutality and it's just like I had to get off social media and everything. So shit was like tough, man. Like, yeah, it's like it's not healthy for us to be seeing images of like black trauma as black people every single time we log on. Exactly. And like, you know, this last year was really police brutality was like a big focal point of 2020, like on the heels of COVID. But with like with SARS, like the SARS unit was originally put in place like in the like late 90s in Nigeria. So that's a it goes back. It's not new. Yeah, it goes back. It's not like a new, I guess like in just the heat of police brutality and everything in the US, like it's really got garnered attention, but there's been like corruption within like just like the Nigerian like governmental system since like as far as I can remember, like going back to Nigeria even like just going through TSA, like when I, when I land in Lagos, like, you know, and them harassing you and, you know, asking for money for you to get from point A to point B, or like for you to check your luggage in. It's, a, it's like, there's a lot of dangers. And like, when you get out the airport, you're trying to drive to whatever destination you want to drive, they'll have like police checkpoints set up. They'll stop at a police checkpoint. Ridiculous. And they'll kind of be like, hey, you want to get to this point, you got to give us some chains. Like, it's just, it's, you know, from the time of the airport to like local life to just everywhere, like it's like, it's a systemic problem that's been going on. And part of it has to do with like the fact that the government doesn't pay a lot of these, <clears throat> a lot of these workers that, that work in like public service. So a lot of these um, teachers, a lot of like police officers, like they haven't gotten paid or they've been, you know, on strike or, and just haven't gotten that like financial support that they need. So, right. you know, when you're not getting that from the government institution that you're working for, a lot of them take it out on like the civilian population. So even though it kind of was brought to the forefront this summer, um, corruption specifically from like, in you know, the police units and police forces in Nigeria has been going on for like ages. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's frustrating because it's so systemic and it's it's really hard to like really affect change. And that, like in the U.S., you see protests and you see people <clears throat> raising money um, to support some of these nonprofits that are like um, trying to, or raising money to, or signing petitions to try to lobby support or, or like lobby changes in institutions and things like that. Right. Um, you know, on October 12th, there were, I mean, once NSARS became a thing, like you started seeing a lot of the Nigerian youth go out and like start protesting and things like that. And October 12th, there was, um, there was actually like a, it's called like the Lekki Tollgate Massacre. So there was a, 
a protest outside in the uh, the area of Lekki, which is like kind of outside of Lagos. And basically, you know, it was peaceful protest. People were protesting against police brutality and the lights were cut off. It was like towards like the evening hours and like, I think over 20 people got killed basically. And, and they, they cut off all recordings, cut off all lighting. So you couldn't see, um, you know, where the shots were coming from. And it was, it was like a complete massacre. Yeah, and the government kind of just tried to sweep it under the rug, like, oh, these were not protesters. These were people who were inciting violence. And it was like, it was crazy. A bunch of BS, kind of like how they, kind of like how they uh, treated the Capitol riots. It was, yeah, it was very infuriating. And, and when you have like the government specifically back in, or specifically like, if you, when you have the civilian population specifically going against the government, it's hard to like make or really like affect change on like a hands-on level. So with Dukuro, we like try to like, go out into Afara and try to like, you know, hold like tutoring initiatives and like go out and give school supplies and things like that from like on a, a hands-on level. It's super hard to do that when it comes to police brutality when because you're risking your lives risking your lives and it's like you try to like organize a fundraiser like locally within like your your village or the city that you're in nigeria the government can just shut it down because because they can because they have the power to or you you want to do a public protest and boom your your life's already threatened um so it, yeah it's, it's it's not a quick it's not a quick fix it's not a quick fix because it's so institutional it's so structural man and right. um in terms of like what we did, like, you know, it definitely brought attention to it on social media and in our newsletter and, and just right. in terms of like educating people on what's going on and how to fund, how to donate and how to like sign petitions and things like that to like make the difference. Um, you know, we, we definitely try to extend those resources out to our following. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, man. Like it's, it's not a quick it's a fix. Super it's a super internalized problem that mm. it's not, it's kind of like America where it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's a systematic corruption, but at the same time with us, it's like racism, whereas Nigeria, like they're all, they're all black. So it's not racism. It's just yeah, it's power. Exactly. It's, it's, it's hard because it's like I said, like in the U S it's, you know, people are getting indicted for the color of their skin in Nigeria you know, people are getting indicted just for, just because of how, yeah, it just because of like the structure that's in place and- And, and whatever because, it Yeah, and because there's like so much corruption that's embedded in everything, it's, it's hard to, you know, to kind of combat that. But, you know, the youth has done a great job in, in really spreading what's been going on in Nigeria on a global scale. So now when you see all these other um, foreign countries and these other places look into what's going on and you know we can garner that international support to kind of help um, right. internally it's, it's hard but you know right. I'm glad that, yeah yeah I'm glad that I'm glad that it was able to garner like a you know the hashtag was able to like really blow up because that's something that's been going on for a minute now it's not it's not new news right and I appreciate you speaking to that because it's a very it's a very sensitive topic and it's still going on and it's been going on forever, but I really wanted to get a 
Nigerian American perspective on that because we always hear headlines and things on social media that you can't always believe because you know there's bias but I, I think it's important like if you're speaking about Black Lives Matter speak to a Black person if you're speaking about you know a, a particular country I want that you know honest and true perspective so I appreciate that for sure um, man yeah my last question for you was how can we all support um Odukoro Definitely, definitely. You can follow us on IG at Udukuro, just that Udukuro, um, Facebook Udukuro Empowerment. And um, we have, I think we got a Twitter Udukuro as well, but the Twitter posts are just what you see on IG. So you follow IG, you follow Twitter as well. Um, you could visit udukuro.org to you know, read more about the story, about more about what we're doing, see some content from our previous events. Um, and you scroll to the bottom of the, the website, there's a place you can put your email in to receive a monthly newsletter that I write just to update you on what's going on with the Duke Grow, what we have in store, what we're working on currently. And then if you go to take action at adukegrow.org, you can donate in any way you can to, you know, support our initiative. So Right, even if uh, it's like any, a dollar, you can still. Yeah. <laughs> you can still and even even if it just to follow, like just staying in touch with what we're doing, like just to know that we're growing that audience, it, it it you know it means the world to me and it means the world to my grandma. So, any way you guys can help, we'd be super grateful for it. Right, and on the podcast Instagram, I'll definitely give some details on you know what you just said and how you can support the um organization. Thank you, Orenze. I really appreciate it. This is really dope um i think it's important like i said before to you know support black small businesses and you're you're really young and you're doing something big so i think that's that's really dope so thank you for coming on the podcast you can follow Rinze at obey rezy o-o-b-e-y-r-e-e-z-y um have a good one guys thanks for having me Cervantes. I'm not going to